They're going to get blisteringly cold though here on Tuesday, so they're all like in a pan- they're in a panic. Oh, it's going to get below fifty. It's going to it might get to forty nine actually. No, what? oh man. You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello, and welcome to episode 320 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined today by Seth Miller, Fosma Mood, and uh, special guest, Chris Sloan, uh, airline journalist of Aircive.net. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. It's nice to be special. You, you are special. Uh, you get the full intro. We don't tell people where to find Seth and, and Foz. <laughs> I, I gotta say, speaking of where to find, if we look at where we all are right now, I think this might be the most geographically disparate recording we've ever done. Are we, we covering four the four corners? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. We're the four corners, right? Chris is Stephen's got the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, Foz has got Southern California. I'm New England, and we got Chris out in the Keys. Uh, got it covered, man. At least in the continental U.S. <laughs> I am trying to see. I'm trying to see by Foz's map where that in Southern California is. Is that San Diego? It is San Diego. Okay. <laughs> so you're really in Tijuana. You're really in Tijuana. No, no, I'm north of downtown. Okay, <laughs> south of downtowns where all the action is. Exactly. <laughs> um, and Chris, you know, we, we we wanted to have you on the show because you recently uh, partook in a kind of historic flight, I would say. Um, and we wanted to talk about that a little bit. The the Max, the seven thirty seven Max, uh, is back, right? Uh, it is. Um, yeah, that was the first time that there had ever been passengers from the general public on that aircraft since. March 13th, 2019. So the Mad Max is, uh, is back and, um, uh, commercial service for paying passengers like will begin at now, you know, goal has moved up to date, I think to December 10th and then American on uh, December 29th. So let's, let's talk a little bit of details. You were as a member of the press invited to this flight, um, on American, correct? Yes, I was. There was uh, believe it or not, they had 140, pa- uh, 140 members of the press showed up and it was interesting because, um, as far as any aviation events that I've covered in my years, I can't remember a flight itself actually being on a flight that was this many press members. Of course, there wasn't anybody who wasn't press, um, but uh, there wasn't a lot of the the kind of the blogging community on there. I thought it was interesting. It stayed away. There wasn't, you know, but it was generally um, a mainstream news uh, type of event and story um, as we went through uh, the Max Charm School. Do you do you think that was kind of intentional, like to keep maybe it focused on the mainstream press? I say mainstream, but just you know the normal press rather than uh, bloggers, simply because they're trying to uh, Boeing and American is trying to get people people's buy in to uh, feel safe on the on the max. I well, I do know that a number of bloggers were invited. Um, I think there was there's reticence on the fact that um, you know often American pays for. Um, you know, fly people in. I mean, mm. you have to disclose that. But um, in this case, from everybody I talked to who didn't make it, is that American, um, you know, many cases wasn't paying for people to come to Dallas and then fly to Tulsa and back. And I still think um, there's, you know, there's obviously the little, you know, the little COVID thing out there that is in the back of everybody's head. So um, yeah. that was my that was my impression. I mean, I, there's there's three or four that I knew there, but um, I was surprised it wasn't like, uh, wow, we're going to have a reunion of all these folks we haven't seen in a while. And by the way, it's it's still a pretty somber subject matter. It's not like, hey, let's party. We're all back together because of the Max. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right? It's, it's got to be a little weird to have an inaugur- a pseudo inaugural flight without cupcakes. <laughs> well, we did. Uh, well, we did have biscotti, biscotti, uh, biscottis in the in the bistro bags. Okay. <laughs> it's actually kind of bizarre that they chose to serve snack for the forty five minute flight. Well, and 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 in all cabins, I mean, that's the best main cabin service I've had in American domestically in a long time. So. <laughs> Um, you know, in the Admirals Club was not at, uh, was you know basically the at the uh, the hangar we had a full on uh, a full on meal of uh, grab and go box bags too sitting under the uh, sitting under a few uh, GE Leaf engines which was nice. Yeah, and so you, the flight was simply between DFW and Tulsa. Did they take you back to Dallas, or did, did you have to make arrangements out of Tulsa? 
Uh, no, it was a it was a round trip. I mean, it was um, it was a you know I'm from Tulsa, and so for me it was uh, you know it was kind of surreal being back in my hometown for all of two hours. But uh, yeah, we were uh, we we took off from the charter pad at DFW, um, which is impossible to find if in, if you're trying to use Apple Maps, and um, <laughs> they had two aircraft there. Um, and though there's at that point on Wednesday, there was two actually uh, that had completed their certification and been through maintenance. Um, all 24 are undergoing that process in Tulsa. They've all been bought back to Tulsa. Gotcha. And um, you know, as I keep saying, I mean, yes, we were boarding through a uh, an, R- uh, an RV. Um, I mean, you know, it looked like kind of a trailer park terminal, and uh, up the stairs, and the flight itself. I mean, was about as normal and as mundane and as boring as you can imagine. And I think that was the whole point of it. Except, as I said, you know, they were shilling the uh, advantage, advantage Mastercard um, multiple times throughout the flight, and. Um, <laughs> You know, but it was, yeah, I mean, it was a very, uh, they, they, you know, they had the f- first class blocked off for some, uh, you know, for some American uh, leadership folks. But the night before is when Doug Parker and uh, that contingent had flown that aircraft the first time and, and a number of the uh, leadership and some of the, you know, Alpha people and AFA people. Um, so, yeah, the plane was bought back. There was, I thought it was interesting. There was two of them and it seemed like there was, in case there was a problem, there was one standing by. Mm. So that's a smart choice, right? I mean, it is the max. Yeah. We've, well, we've seen in, in, in other cases, too, where people have mechanicals and uh, flights don't go or they get severely delayed. I mean, it's, it's happened in the past. So, they could be stuck I mean, in the, a the, Pacific the, Island. <laughs> oh, was that a dig at Seth? <laughs> uh, we, were, we were all there. It's okay. Oh, you were all there. You were all on that trip? Yes. yes. Oh wow! I've heard about the sandwich. Travel with us—that's the rule. <laughs> yeah. Wow, four travel at once. Likely. Um, so the flight part was—you said—sort of bog normal. There was more to it, though, right? You had a little bit of a show and tell up in Tulsa. Yeah, I mean that's why we were going. I mean, if, I mean, certainly, I thought it was pretty profound that you know we had the fleet captain of the seven thirty-seven uh, flying us. You know, and he pointed out they were I, th- these guys are not hiding from what happened. They said things like on the PA, you don't normally hear things like you know safety is a, you know, is a chain. And when that chain is broken, you know, terrible things happen and we're doing our best to mend that. And, you know, you don't normally hear about people talking about safety and the importance of that on the airplane or, you know, describing how this is really a pilot led initiative. And, and, um, you know, they were really there to, you know, bring this plane back uh, in safety. They, they know they've got a, a long road to go, uh, trying to build confidence and trust. So, but yes, we landed at the Tulsa maintenance base, which is the world's, I think it was, it was the world's largest private maintenance base. Um, MNR, uh, MRO facility, and we landed what's called the 737 Center of Excellence, which, um, you know, you might look at that with a furrowed brow, but I mean, in reality, the airplane did have 99.4% dispatch reliability before it became utterly unreliable. And, um, hey, listen, the you know, two so, flights dispatched also. They just didn't finish. Oh, wow. Ouch. Too much? Uh, yeah, a little. <laughs> yeah. Oops. That'll be, that'll be too soon in a hundred years. <laughs> Leave it to Seth. That's right. You don't have to try hard. Came natural. Um, so yeah, we went to Tulsa at first. Uh, you know, we heard from the head of the Tulsa base. We heard from you know um, David Seymour, who's COO. Uh, we heard from leaders of the the Pilots Association, and they really kind of. I mean, let's face it. I mean, they're all speaking very much to script, but there was very much of a uh, the story of how uh, you know they'd come to this place and you know how cr- critical the airplane is. I mean, they talked about you know they've spent sixty six thousand human hours on storing the aircraft. They actually said you know it got it gets more maintenance in in, in storage. Um, than it ever did operationally, which makes sense. I mean, every ten days they would be uh, they would be idling the engines, powering systems up, and then uh, you know every once in a while I would do a full, I think it was every twenty or thirty days would actually do high speed, high power run ups, and um, you know so that went on even at, at, at you know the aircraft were stored twenty four of them were stored over four or five locations around America, and the nine were uh, at the Tulsa base, and so they talked a lot about uh, that process, and then it was really about how 
Um, you know, the phrase you've heard over and over is that, you know, if our pilots believe in it, we believe in it. And frankly, the people talking the most were the pilots and, you know, talking about really about the training and the simulation and, and kind of the phase and the ramp of how that's actually going to happen. And then we, you know, we actually saw, uh, you know, A&P folks uh, updating the software. It looked just like, you know, somebody's there with a, a PC uh, for about four hours uploading the new software for MCAS. And then it's a two hour troubleshooting phase. Um you know, and then every there's four pilots uh, that are going to be that are basically in a simulator class together session, and so they take two out, two in for two hours, and then the next two for two hours, and they they really go through the respond to MCAS and runaway trim and and all that, which has been um, which interesting enough. They they have um, uh, American was you know obviously they were I think they were the first to really order this aircraft with a hundred hundred when they did the hundred landmark order, but they were they've been very very involved in the actual setting the new training and simulation standards, so. Um, that was really interesting. Them talking about kind of how the training, uh, you know, uh, was set up. So yeah, we were just toured around from uh, various uh, press stops to kind of get our debriefing. There were three stops, and and hearing why, um, you know, everybody felt confident in the max, you know, and obviously the press. I mean, you'd hear quite the question, the phrase, you know, would you feel safe flying on this? And you know, they would say things like, not only do I feel safe, but I've, you know, I've had my mother on it, and we've got five trips booked next month. So I mean. There was a lot of, uh, I mean, it wasn't like a, hey, pet, let's pat ourselves on the back. Let's look how great we're doing. Um, but there was acknowledgement that they, they really all believed in the, in the plane. I wouldn't expect anything other uh, for them to say anything other than that. But, um, but so, I, yeah, that was. What I find interesting, Chris, was, you know, it, it seems like American is kind of making up for Boeing's mistakes, like in some of their verbiage, right? Where, you know, this is all about safety. It's, to me, it's not on American, the issues of the plane. Uh, so was that, was that kind of just a theme you think that's going to happen because Americans just trying to gain trust, uh, in the traveling public or is it, uh, do they feel like there's some responsibility because like you said, they have such a large order of these planes? I mean, I asked them, why are you guys in such a hurry to, are, are you in a hurry? You're going to be first. I mean, clearly in the, they were going to be first in the world. Now they will be second, but they're, um, they'll certainly be the first in any kind of critical mass. And they said, you know, it's not, they said the quote, you know, I asked, uh, David Seymour, he said, you know, we're not going to order, we're not going to build any trust or any confidence with anything we say, it's only going to build confidence when it starts flying. You can't build trust on the ground. And there, I didn't get the sense that they um, necessarily felt responsible. They weren't going to, I mean, they weren't really going to dis Boeing, at least in that particular, I mean, mm. we, we obviously we know that some of the, some details, of the compensation that were paid out. Um, I mean, I think a substantial part of da- the American bonus for employees came out of, um, came out of compensation for the max in 2019. But um, I felt that they just feel like they, they're in this, What's that COVID phrase? We're all in this together. I think they feel totally in it um, together, and they're, you know, and they're taking eight more this year. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not—they're deferring some orders, but they're not canceling anything. And um, you know, they clearly view this plane as really important. And I think they take—I think they do take a lot of pride in the fact that they're going to be the ones who are going to be the—I don't want to use the word guinea pigs, but they're the ones who are going to be first. And I mean, largely first. And though they realize also that if anything goes wrong, every little thing hitch and then hitch will—it'll attract a lot of scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people have been um, criticizing them for even doing this event. And, ob- and obviously you saw the day, the evening uh, after the event was over, the, the families, um, the Ethiopian, the families from the Ethiopian crash were spoken, you know, very outspoken saying this was a media stunt. Um, and, you know, and obviously they deserve to feel the way they do. I and mean, because they, I mean, it was uh, some very, 
emotional quotes that came from the law office. Um, but I will say that America, it did not feel any bit to me like they were gloating. Like mm. they were, they, nobody was proud of this where they were. They were proud. They'd come together as a team speaking all the corporate speak, but I didn't get any sense that people were like chest thumping and how we're great. Cause we're going to be the first back. They just like, we've got a business necessity to bring it back. Yeah. And indeed, and indeed they're going to start with five to six of them will be ready. Um, that first day of December 29th where they have one week and you know, the latest Sirium says, now they've, they, I, what I, it's interesting. They really picked up the confidence. When I checked last week, they only had 170 flights, um, on the max for January. And so with everything being refiled on whatever yesterday or yeah, Saturday, they're now, they've now scheduled 588 flights. Oh, wow. Um, and it's not just, it was originally going to just be limited to LaGuardia. So the first week will be one, you know, one round trip. Now you look at it as I'm looking at it right now as it builds up is that it starts by the, Really, the first week in January is when they start adding in. Then they start adding in JFK, then then Reagan. Then they're going to add. Then they're going to go further. They're going to go now to the to the stations like St. Thomas, San Juan, St. Croix, Tampa, and so their confidence is really up. They said they'll have five to six um, through the month, you know, coming on by January. But all uh, twenty four will be and will be ready by the end of February, and then all twenty seven hundred pilots will be by the end of March, which is before even I believe Southwest is going to be taking theirs up. But all twenty seven hundred pilots. Um, uh, are going to be max pilots or will be have gone through this training. And so they want to be back at where they were um, by early March. And then they're still taking eight more this year. So I just thought that if anything's confidence is you just look at the numbers mm-hmm. of where they're going. And it's interesting enough, just, I'm sorry, I, verbal diarrhea here, but um, when I was looking at who else has filed is the goals, goals flights don't show up, but the only other airlines worldwide that I can find have filed any schedules for the max as of today are, um, are Norwegian, um, which, you know, so I'm sure you guys have many jokes standing by at the ready. Um, <laughs> I think they've got eight flights actually uh, uh, scheduled for the entire rest of their uh, existence, but they actually have eight scheduled. Uh, and then there's um, actually they have 52. And then they have, um, and then I thought it was also interesting that, uh, yeah, no, no, Norwegian has eight. And then, um, uh, oh, and then they've got their other ver- international version has 52. So, and then they, the only other one I can find is uh, one flight is scheduled only one for a Siberian S7. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they're confident, but of course, none of these guys are certified to fly it, but, uh, maybe they're, you know, yet we'll see what EASA does, but worldwide, I can only see uh, from Syrian, like 649 flights to the max scheduled for January. And the last month of where it was operating, uh, fully for the month when you had the 387 flying, it was 25,000 flights and now it's 649, 649 is, um, so it's quite a, I mean, it's quite a fascinating story, I think. And, and, um, I probably need to be quiet now. No, no, I think it's great. It's a, it's a lot of information. I think I think I'm trying to kind of digest some of it. I think so. When American does uh, take delivery of these, these additional planes, do they still have to go undergo the software fixes, or will those software fixes be done uh, before delivery? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, they said that next, the eighth, they're going to take by the end of the year, which there's not a lot of that left. Um, are going to need the fixes, the rewiring work, um, the software load. They said that that takes, uh, it's about six to eight days per plane um, to make those fixes. And the, the eight that are taking delivery, are, those were all completed and have been in storage. So they've never truly taken delivery of those. And those are all going to be bought directly to Tolstin of the rework. And then, and then um, you know, as you know, there's been deferrals um, out of the hundred, but they, they said um, yeah, at least the next eight that are built are going to need, um, you know, going to need all that uh they're, rework, but they, they're opting. They're opting to do it themselves at the Tulsa base. That's interesting to me. I'm actually surprised they can. I would have thought, right? Like United had the first plane that received certification by the FAA since the grounding was lifted, and it was 
Orlando or something? No, well, it hasn't, it hasn't been delivered yet, I don't even think. But like, oh, okay, okay. Like a new delivery from Boeing, a plane that was in storage. But to all the planes that were in storage, I guess, weren't technically certified, right? They don't have their airworthiness certificate from uh, the FAA yet. And so right. I'm surprised that they'd be that American would be able to take delivery of one without these changes and do the work themselves rather than having it delivered that way. Well, I mean, they, 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 they do have the FAA there on, you know, because every airplane getting uh, getting, you know, the rework on it as well as, um, um, you know, is requiring that. Um, but they are I thought it was interesting that they, you know, I think they just they want to move really quickly because they have the facilities to do so. Mm-hmm. And, um, so. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I just it's because uh... I thought United was there was uh, there was a, their, their rework was being done. Uh, I wasn't sure. Was it? I think it might have been. It's. I think they have an M&E base in Orlando, and that's where their nines are being done. I don't really know the status of Southwest, but... Yeah, and I know... Well, you one thing I was going to say, I... No, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, well, you had mentioned earlier that American and even United are going to be back in business in the U.S. before Southwest, and I think the main difference there is Southwest is insisting that all its pilots be complete training first, and because they have such a large 730... All their pilots are 737 pilots. They basically want anyone to be able to swap in. They don't want to have a subfleet. Yeah, I think, you're, I think that's totally, I think you're totally, that's totally right. It has to, for them to seamlessly put it back in the system, it has to, everybody's got to be uh, type rated on this, which now, which now it kind of is because everybody's going through the sim. I think Southwest, by the way, it's, isn't it like a, I think the penalty, the one we did here was that every aircraft that now is going to require simulation time is going to be, that's a million dollar penalty. Yeah, that's what, that, was, that was the running story. A million bucks for if they have to do sim time. Hmm. Well. Um, Tulsa, they're going to actually, is interesting, they're going to, for the, for the max, they're going to be using, uh, I think they've got one max, two simulators in Dallas. One is American-owned and one is somebody else. Then they're going to use, um, I forget, there's one in, um, then there's one in, um, uh, one or two in Miami. But I think they said there was a total of, of four. Everybody's going to be run through those sims um, really fast. I, I certainly wish I owned a sim. I think that would be probably the best uh, investment you could have. The best right investment now. ever. 737 max. I think that's, <laughs> those are really tough to get into. So that, that they were going to, yeah, they've, um, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, they were the, the interesting. Also, the thing we tried to ask them and nobody was really forthcoming, but, you know, is what is your market research dictated as far as how confident or un, unconfident people are? So, um, you know, you saw the report from Southwest. I think Reuters wrote that 25 percent of their flyers surveyed were not comfortable uh, in the max. And when I asked Southwest, they still basically say that that's not an accurate report. Uh, they said it was kind of something people drew their own conclusions on from an analyst call or rings call. But um, the American people didn't say that, you know, they, 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 they didn't say that they'd actually conducted research. What they did say is they're going to have these five flights to nowhere for employees only, which they've already started uh, from Miami, LaGuardia and Dallas. And then they're doing these for, you know, the, you know, the high HVC customers, the elites. They are doing um, kind of workshops um, at the at the at the various bases where the plane is going to be, which right now is LaGuardia, JFK, and Miami and uh, Dallas, is because of all the and even though the plane doesn't really fly to Dallas typically, and they're going to do uh, workshops there for the next uh, month or so, where they're going to put a dog and pony show on essentially for uh, for crew, but also for uh, employees. Hmm. So, and and to their credit, I mean, I will say this: even during the flight, there was no. There was like maybe two corp comms people. They're, they weren't like hovering over you every time you were talking to somebody. It was like that was the first thing they said. It's like every please feel free to take all the video you want on this flight and this entire event. Talk to anybody. Everything's on the record. But I will say that we noticed we only saw two mechanics working on the maxes when we were in uh, 
when yeah, we everything's were at the, on the record. We just won't make anyone available. Exactly. There was one guy. <laughs> there was one guy who's he showed up in every interview. He's like got this Kansas City Chiefs uh, oh, yeah. mask. <laughs> mask uh, <laughs> yeah, so we kept looking. Can we get some B roll of some people working on the on it? Is everybody out to lunch today for eight hours, six hours? But if you could find somebody, I mean, I went in the bathroom and I had to take a bathroom. And it's like you know, you get I guess you get some of your most interesting uh, information in the bathroom. I mean, if you're Hugh Grant, maybe. But anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, but no, that's wrong. But anyway, um, they, they, people would you know they would they would kind of tell you what was going on. You know, you were I thought they, they gave us a lot of freedom to 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 talk with uh talk with the staff. It was interesting. Duh. Go ahead, Seth. I was going to say, just looking at schedules, it looks like uh, Air Canada and WestJet have Max pub- uh, published into February, but still waiting for... Oh, they do? It's, not, it's in the schedule, but we still unconfirmed that it's actually going to happen because we're still waiting for Canada's... Uh, Transport Canada to r- lift the grounding, right? Same with EASA, only Brazil. Where are you seeing it? Uh, starting February 5th. In... Where, I'm just curious. looking at an OAG dump, but uh, Air Canada's got uh, Toronto, Montreal... Um, on the 3rd of February, uh-huh. two days a week. Uh, let me look at February. That's a good point. And what did you say was the other one? WestJet, similar. Oh, yeah, you're right. Now I'm looking at February. Yeah, United has 198 for February. WestJet has nine, 912. Air Canada's, wow. Yeah, but that's 2,350. If they're filing, who knows if they really operate it? But. You say, right, we're still three months out from our two months before we even get to the beginning of that. So who the hell knows what will happen between now and then. Plenty of time okay. for airlines to adjust filings. Yeah, I mean, what's the flight completion factor of any even a normal plane? I mean, right now, like what? So, yeah. So, Chris, I want to ask, just kind of like personally, how do you feel about the Max? I mean, if if you hadn't gone on this uh, press trip, how would you feel, and then how do you feel after it? I mean, I flew that that plane every single week in my day job for two years, and um, and it was just about the most mundane, boring thing you could fly. And, you know, you like to pick on the Max because the main reason you want to avoid the Max is because of the Noasis cabin. And, uh, um, uh, you know, and then you didn't give it a second thought. Today, I don't give it a second thought. I think it is the most scrutinized, um, probably safest aircraft in the sky. I mean, let's I do believe that it's aerodynamically, um, you know, I, I, it's fragile. Obviously, it's 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 faulty. I mean, <laughs> having to, but but you know, the t- I mean, so is the stealth fighter. I mean, it's not stable if you don't. The computers aren't working up properly. That plane's going to fall to the sky. Um, so I, you know, I have no problem with it, um, and I'm not concerned. And um, you know, and the fact is, it did have an incredibly high dispatch reliability before this happened. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know what kind of points and marks you grade down for two crashes within the space of five months because I guess that would not be a com- flight completed. I mean, seriously, but um, the. Uh, and I will say, interestingly enough, they the plane they trotted out for us. Um, and I know this really sounds petty now these days because we used to bitch about the Max and the Oasis configuration. They the one we they had for us was the the first and only one that's in the new Kodiak configuration. So that was definitely nicer, and you notice it, except for the bathrooms. Um, so are they are they getting rid of the Oasis config? Uh, they said the 737 fleet uh, will be converted over to Kodiak. I mean, there's really no difference in economy, but Kodiak you could definitely see. You know, in first you got the the full-on bulkheads back. The uh, the MyQ seats have the the uh, you can actually store bags underneath for the first time. They've changed the um, the arm uh, the uh, what the uh, the armrest the little yes. yeah the little wing. So they said that they're going they're not going to do take advantage of the fact that these planes have been sitting on the ground to do Kodiak. They're just going to get up as quickly as uh, they can. Um, and interesting, I thought something else was interesting they talked about was that um, you know the, they flew the first ones really hard. So the first. I think two or three of them are already going into sea checks. Those are why those are the last holy, to come back. Holy crap. I was like, really? After they only flew for what, a year and a half and they were getting sea checks? Wow. That is, that is wild. I wonder how many, I mean, total hours, what is that? 40,000 hours, maybe? Something like that. 
I don't know. I mean, what is it on a narrow body? Is it? Uh, it's higher typically, just because. Yeah, because because they don't have to flight. worry about yeah shorter flights. But I mean, then again, you do have higher decompression uh, cycles. Compression stress cycles. cycles. Yeah, stress cycles basically. So yeah, I'd have to look it up. Um, let me see. Let's, uh, let's see if, I, if we had a producer, we would have. Already. <laughs> uh, I mean, Chris, you, you sort of alluded earlier to you know the quote unquote race to get it back into service, um, and American sort of not racing to be first, but also pushing to be first um, or pushing to get it done. Do you feel like there's sort of a there is a race there, or is it? Did it really just feel like we own a lot of these things? They are the future of our fleet. We're ready to move on. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's kind of it. I mean, I'm surprised that you know it, it's interesting. This thing came when it left the skies. There wasn't a pandemic. You know, air travel hadn't collapsed with 50 percent of the traffic before. I mean, it was the crisis was that there wasn't the capacity uh, that this plane was taking away capacity in the market, and now all of a sudden there's a surplus of capacity. And um, so I was curious, like, why are they in such a hurry? Um, to get it on. And they said, you know, they said, look, at the end of the day, we've paid for it. We own them. We own it. And, you know, it's, it is more fuel efficient. It's a capital cost. And, um, you know, so I felt that they felt that it's like, you know, it's, they own them. So they better, they better, they better get them back up in the sky. Um, but there was no, like, um, I know I didn't get it. I didn't get a sense at all that they were like, they, that they were racing or comparing themselves to say Southwest or anything. Yeah. They certainly were going to hide. They certainly were going to hide from it. I mean, they're very, they're very clear. It's like, if you don't want to fly it, you don't, obviously we've, everybody's read this all before, but they're being extremely flexible on uh, people who don't want to fly or comfortable with the aircraft. And of course, though they are aware that people are going to try to game the system. So they did talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and obviously over time that policy will have to change. Like that in the middle seat, like, like in the middle, middle seat. seat. Yeah, at some point that'll change for everybody. But it's yeah, I, I find it interesting. I mean, I guess it's if you didn't call it, you know, it's the same story of we've got these very expensive assets that we have to put to use. Not necessarily, you know, it's not just that it's the max; it's that it's an expensive plane that we need to give make money off of. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's you know, if you if you just forked over what we can we can kind of guesstimate that they were on sixty million dollars a piece. They're not doing a lot of good by being on the ground, and certainly the. The storage costs and the maintenance costs on these aircraft are, I mean, 60,000, if that's that's the number they kept throwing around, 60,000 man hours or human hours. So that was that, that left an impression on me is like all the space they were paying for in Roswell and Victorville and where all these things are sitting and all the maintenance and that it's just like it's, you know, they say planes don't make any money on the ground, but they certainly cost a lot of money on the ground. Mm. So maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Got to put those bistro bags somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is 7,500 hours for a sea check on a 737. That makes sense. So 730 days. So just over two years, really. We're right at two years. Uh, interesting. I mean, that, that, talk about talk about waiting in, though. I mean, the fleet utilization on for the first week is only going to be one round trip a day, right? I mean, that's they didn't even when they started uh, back in December of 19, they were they were running them pretty hard. I mean, remember the first day Southwest started? They started with 13. Mm-hmm. Of them in service the first day, I don't think anybody ever saw the number like that. Of course, I was on that first flight too. That one didn't end well either. Yeah, you guys um, had maintenance issues, didn't you? Yeah, the very first, the Triangle. We we didn't make it. We were supposed to do Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, and we didn't make it past Houston. So maybe that should have been a uh, maybe that should have been a sign. They, I remember when we were on that flight, Gary Kelly stood up and he said, "You know, it's Herb has never missed a an inaugural, especially with new equipment, and you know he's not feeling well this morning. And I hope that doesn't jinx us." And of course, <laughs> <laughs> and then the plane went tech. Then the plane went tech. Yeah. And then we did the Norwegian one over there. And, uh, you know, there's the seventh circle of hell is flying a Norwegian nonstop from Seattle to Oslo in a, in a, in a, in a max in the last row. That's, that's pretty brutal. (laughs) Even life flat coach on those planes isn't very comfortable. Yeah, exactly. I just did some rough math. If 60,000 work hours against the fleet is four hours per plane per day of maintenance work to keep them 
in ship shape ready to bring back. That seems kind of crazy to me. I believe it, but it's a huge number. You gonna run the uh, yeah? And what is what is their hourly rate of the AMP cost? Uh, yeah, uh, the DOT suggests eighty five dollars an hour is the number to use when calculating that sort of thing. Wow, stump the Seth. So I read a lot of FAA filings. Sorry. Yeah. So what does that calculate up to? Sixty thousand times eighty five. A lot. Five mil. Wow. Hmm. Plus parking, plus parking, and everything else. Wouldn't you be fascinated just to see? Like, anybody have any guesses? Like, what these compensation agreements look like? Well, I would, I would hope that maybe Boeing works something out. Hopefully, I have a doubt. But. <laughs> I know, but like, okay, five million dollars. I mean, five million dollars is a huge number, and it's crazy. But if the million dollars per Southwest airplane for training is true, five million is a drop in the bucket compared to how many hundreds they have on order. Yeah, I think that, I thought it was two hundred. Is it two hundred? Two hundred fifty? Something like that. Yeah, so it's like lot. you look at you look at that. If the planes on average are costing sixty million, we think half off list is it's like four aircraft. I mean, the numbers in this whole thing blow your mind. Like. Uh, I guess, you know, you look at what Boeing marked down um, in that call. They set us, I mean, they're set, it seems like they're set aside in charges of like 18 to $20 billion. And that, that, you know, for that money, you know, you could have had a clean sheet program. I mean, I think the max or the, the Dreamliner was like $32 billion maybe. So these numbers just like, I mean, and that was. And it wasn't supposed ago. to cost nearly that much. So well, that was the like whole point of it, right? <laughs> you, well, yeah, you'd like to think that building off of what they did for the Dreamliner, they could have probably had a clean sheet single aisle in the. 10 to 15 billion range. You mean we could have had an NMA airplane? Oh, man. Well, no, it's, uh, what's the, there's an acronym for the new single aisle also. Oh, is there? Yes, because it's not the M. It's not a mid-market plane. It's the base. It's a whole different ball of wax. NMA's got to be bigger coats and fly transatlantic. Maybe, maybe. uh, The, um, you know, I'll tell you when you're, I'll tell you, you asked me what it was like flying the flight when I was sitting on the wing and, you know, when you see the, that is kind of where it hit me. It's like, wow, you know, these, the leaps are so obviously we know they're so much bigger. You know these high bypass aircraft, and they're they're so far mounted, so far forward, and so far higher. And you're just like, my God, you know. I feel, feel in some ways it really comes down to, and maybe this is a dumb question, but if they just would have built the landing gear a little taller, <laughs> if I could have been a little, what's the song? I could have been a little taller. I could have been a baller, whatever. If they would have, um, you know, like on the, I think the ten they have the little tip top extensions, f- so you don't scrape the ass on the on the rotation, but you don't get a tail strike, but. It feels seems like if they would have built that landing gear taller, and that those engines wouldn't have to be placed so far forward and made the platform so physically or aerodynamically, uh, you know, at times unstable. So, I mean, I'm not an engineer, armchair quarterback, but it feels like the little thing like that could have made, you know, oh, made and then we could have called it a 757. <laughs> oh, there you are. There you are. Right. If you build it, that's I. When I was a little kid, I remembered like one of the first things I sort of learned about traveling is if you were walking down the jet bridge and it went up instead of down, you were getting on a seven fifty seven instead of a seven thirty seven. <laughs> I never thought of that. The more you know, right? The angle, the jet bridge is actually angle slightly yeah. for seven fifty. It was like, and it was right. as a kid flying out of North Florida, connecting in Atlanta. So it was a lot of seven fifty sevens and seven thirty sevens on Delta, and you know, but you were one of those lucky kids that got to fly TriStars from Jacksonville to Atlanta, weren't you? <sighs> Yeah, I'm sure I did. I don't remember it. Um, I, I don't remember the TriStars on the short haul flights. I have some memories of some of those trips, but not enough about the actual airplanes, unfortunately. I was curious. Are you guys, would you fly the Max? Does anybody, what's your opinions? Yeah. Yeah, I'll fly. I, I'm not going out of my way to do it, but if it's the plane that's going where I need to go when I need to go, it's the plane I'll be on. I don't think there's like a, I don't think I have like an active, uh, you know, I'll look out for it and not fly it. I think uh, I, if it's like Seth said, if it's going where I need to go, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. Do you think the traveling public is what? What are their memories going to be like? 
I, I think there's still going to be some hesitation, honestly. Just, you know, I, I, my, my, the only person I'm talking to right now is my wife, really, because that's the person I'm around. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she's I don't think she's super comfortable with it. I, I think she's just like we need it. She wants to see it proven out. But she's the mathematician of the family. So she's like thinking, you know, give me give me more hours in it and uh, I'll feel better. Well, you know, it's interesting. When, when I posted on Facebook that I was doing it, I got an ama- a, a surprising a number of posts like, are you crazy? Um, or be safe, or do you have a death wish? I'm just like, from just regular people. Now, I mean, social media, obviously, you know, you want a little noise, but I was really surprised that, that, I mean, yes, this is not what the DC 10 was like 66 days. And I'm just really surprised that, that, uh, you know, people posting that phrase that they'll never, you know, the, who was it? The, one of the chief pilots said, this is a plane designed by clowns supervised by monkeys or something like <laughs> that one popped up along my feet. You know, that was part of the FAA data dump. That was there. Yeah. It's like that one just went around. It's like, I'm surprised. I was really surprised that that many people are still who are not in the industry who are like really worried about it. Yeah. yeah. Boz, you're still good with it? Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I've been on them before. Generally, you know, the safest time to get on these things is after an incident. Because when everybody's most eyes on it. Yeah, exactly. That's where you've got the most scrutiny. Plus, I mean, the, the FAA chief flew it, so it must be okay. No, clearly. He was really just, um, he was just really doing a customer test for the Delta order in Ooh. advance. Wow. <laughs> well, he was an ex-Delta guy, right? I think they're going to yeah. be, you know, they're going to, they're going to swoop in. They're going to, they're going to pull a Ryanair. I'm, it seems like maybe. You think so? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe they're just negotiating, but, uh, you know, Ryanair, you know what, by the way, whatever happened, does anybody know whatever happened to the, Brit- the British Airways order that was the only order? It's just an MOU. Okay. It was never really, it was never an order. It was just an MOU. The, the Ryanair one is interesting to me. Um, and certainly British Airways right now doesn't actually need more planes. So um, they got a few years to figure that out. But you know, Ryanair, 75 new planes added to the list, um, all b- taken before the end of 2024. Mm-hmm. They're going to be a total of 210, I think, by then. And they still have 100 options. I think they get like an 80% ownership in Spirit Aero, Spirit Aero Systems off of that deal, don't they? I mean, that's the entire <laughs> production rate for the... Uh, for the plane coming back. <laughs> it's close. I mean, that's the other thing. it'll be real interesting to see how Boeing, what rate production rate they really do ramp up to and how quickly they get there um, as they come out of the grounding here. Right. I mean, it was they're supposed to get back to like rate 30 something or 40 something. Do you remember? I think 30th by the end of 2022. Yeah. 30th, 31. And they were, where'd they get before it happened? Did they actually, did they didn't, did they, did they get to 52 or were they like at 47 right before it? I think they were like at 47, supposed to go to 52, and instead dropped to 42 and then shut it down. Something like that. Right. So, yeah, no, it's going to be a bit of a slow restart. And that's, you know, so when you say, you know, talk about 75 extra planes over three years, it's not quite the entire production run, but it's a lot of them. Well, I mean, the fact that they've gonna, it's going to take four, they, you know, they still won't give the exact number. I mean, I asked Boeing right before, and it's like the fact they're going to have to clear 450 out of inventory that, are, that haven't been delivered, and that's going to take till the end of 2022. Um, it's just like, again, your mind just boggles, like the cash flow, what that means, um, just how long that process is going to be. Um, again, I, I should have, op- should have invested in opening a bunch of hotels up in Moses Lake, Washington. That would have been a good business. <laughs> I feel like I missed, I feel like I really missed the opportunity there, but, but it just boggles the mind, like 450 and, and even with all the cancellations, um, it looks like by what, I don't know, this thing's just like what 2025, 26, they start, they've pretty much eaten through the back order, the backlog and. And then, uh, you know, calls in all sorts of questions. Like, is this the last airplane ever going to be built at Renton? Um, God, the whole thing's just fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, I think we've talked to Max 
we maxed out. We've maxed out the max. Yeah, it's a good, good, good turn of phrase. Um, but I just want to thank you, Chris, for coming on the show. Um, people can find you on Twitter at Archive um, and uh, or go to Archive.net uh, to read the Archive.net. The Archive. I just to say Archive.net. I think is like a. It's like a, whoever holds is sw- the squatting on that site. I've seen like a site for puppies on that. Um, <laughs> it's all sorts of horrible things that are. Um, well, puppies aren't horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's offline right now, so I guess you're not really competing against them. But no hopefully. puppies. Yeah. Okay. No, it was really nice of you all and a lot of fun and to have me, uh, you know, have me on the show. Yeah, and it. for for our Patreon listeners, you can stick around, and we're going to talk about some drones uh, shortly after this. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at dots lines more dots more lines dot com. Uh, thanks again, and until uh, next time, happy travels. Max maximum maximum travel. Thank you. <laughs> Max respect. <laughs>